Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. In honor of Halloween, I chose a 1974 adaptation of Dracula from CBS Radio Mystery Theater, starring Mercedes McCambridge as Mina Harker. CBS Radio Mystery Theater was broadcast on CBS Radio Affiliates from 1974 to 1982. Created by renowned radio producer Hyman Brown, the series was part of a concerted attempt to reinvigorate the lost art of radio drama. In addition to CBS Radio Mystery Theater, the network launched the General Mills Radio Adventure Theater in 1977, also produced by Hyman Brown, and Sears Radio Theater in 1979. Today's story was adapted from Bram Stoker's novel by radio and television writer George Lothar. In the early days of radio, Lothar contributed scripts to the adventures of Superman, Dick Tracy, and Terry and the Pirates. His television credits include anthology series like The United States Steel Hour and Armstrong Circle Theater, as well as the long-running mystery soap opera The Edge of Night. From 1974 to 1975, Lothar contributed 44 scripts to CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Today, opinion is divided on CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Some consider it a pale imitation of its Golden Age predecessors, while others remember it fondly, crediting the series for creating a new generation of old-time radio fans. Our mysterious listener Amy, writing in our Facebook group, described her affection for CBS Radio Mystery Theater this way. Yes, it doesn't hold up as well as other series, but for many Gen Xers, it's how we found radio theater. I consider it my gateway to listening to theater and eventually becoming a cinephile. When I hear E.G. Marshall's opening and the squeaky door, it brings me back to a precious time when my parents would turn it on in the car and I'd pretend to be asleep so Dad would carry me in when we got home. Many of the surviving recordings of CBS Radio Mystery Theater retain the commercials, news, and station identifications from the original broadcast. For some, this adds a significant layer of nostalgia. For others, it's an annoying distraction. What do your mysterious old hosts think? You'll find out right after we listen to Dracula from CBS Radio Mystery Theater, first aired May 2nd, 1974. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sound coming from the speakers. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the terrifying world of your imagination. Vampire. Perhaps in the safety of your home, the word means little to you. Oh, you've heard of vampires, of course. But do you believe that they exist? Not you. Well, all I can say is, Minna Harker didn't believe either. Our mystery drama, Dracula was specially adapted from the story by Bram Stoker for the Mystery Theater by George Lothar and stars Mercedes McCambridge. 
It is sponsored in part by new sugar-free diet 7-Up and by the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal. I'll be back shortly with Act One. And now, another story of the ball and chain as Kellogg's Special K presents The Library. Welcome to the public library. May I help you, sir? Uh, yes, I'd like to check out... Uh, I'd like to check out Famous Laundromats of the World by Audrey Schnorbart. Sir, excuse me, but isn't that ball and chain you're wearing just like the ones they use in the Kellogg's Special K commercial? Uh, this ball and chain? Shh, yes, that one. How are you going to get rid of it? Well, you know, lots of good exercises, and by eating smart at every meal, starting with the Special K breakfast. Don't you have to watch your calories? Yes, and the Special K breakfast is less than 240 calories. Less than 240 calories? Right, a one-ounce bowl of high Protein Special K, four ounces of skim milk, tomato juice, and coffee. It's really tasty, and it's going to help me get rid of this ball and chain. I'd say it's <laughs> long overdue, get it? Your happy ending could begin with the Special K breakfast from Kellogg's. There's a very special deal going on at all offices of Suburban Savings throughout North Jersey. It's called Suburban Special Interest Deal, and you'll be especially interested in the savings you get. A top 7.90% effective annual yield on Suburban Limited's issue 750 savings certificate. And Suburban guarantees it for from 4 to 10 years. Minimum deposit, $2,500. Early withdrawal prior to maturity is subject to a substantial penalty. Suburban compounds interest continuously from day of deposit, paid quarterly. So you not only get interest on your savings, you get interest on the interest. And Suburban offers you the highest interest rate allowed by law. Here's your chance to get a great savings. A top 7.90% effective annual yield on Suburban's limited issue 7.50% savings certificate. Why not deal yourself into Suburban Savings Special Interest Deal in Bayonne, Edgewater, Elmwood Park, Emerson, Hackettstown, Morris Plains, Nutley, Paramus, and Sparta. purest form lies ahead for us. I would be remiss if I didn't warn you that if your nerves are not strong, it might be better for you not to listen. No, really now. Be warned. Because as Minna Harker tells us in the diary she kept, there awaits you... An experience so loathsome, so horrifying, that I can hardly bring myself to write of it. If I'd known what lay ahead for me when I went to visit my dearest and closest friend, Lucy Westenra, at Hillingham, I could not have brought myself to go, much as I loved her. Looking back now, I realize I had plenty of warning, but I paid no attention. For example, as I drove to the Westenra estate through that lonely, isolated country and heard the wolves howling in the distance, it occurred to me that it was strange to hear wolves in this part of the country. As strange as the huge bats that flew alongside my car. I mentioned this to John, Dr. John Seward, Lucy's fiancé, as we sat having a drink in the living room. It's strange, Minna. I've, I've seen that bat myself. The thing must have a wing spread of at least four feet. I haven't the faintest idea where it came from, or the wolves either. Even Lucy's letters seemed kind of strange to me, John. What is the matter with her? Oh, I don't know. I'm completely baffled. I've had two other doctors look at her colleagues of mine, and they can't figure it out. I'm desperate, Minna. I'm so desperate, I've called in my old friend and teacher, Professor Van Helsing. Van Helsing? 
Yes, he's one of the finest diagnosticians in the world, John. Yes, he'll be here from Amsterdam in a day or two. Amsterdam, Holland? Yeah. All the way from Amsterdam. Oh, John, you must be desperate. Lucy is dying, Minna. I'll do anything I can to save her. We we must find a way to stop her from losing blood. Losing blood? Well, it's this constant loss of blood that's killing her. Transfusions help for a time, but only a short time, and each transfusion is less effective. John, when can I see her? Oh, she's sleeping now. Her mother's with her, watching her. We take turns. As soon as Mrs. Westenra lets us know she's awake... Oh, listen, those wolves, they're at it again. John, hasn't anyone looked into this wolf thing? How they suddenly come to be in this part of the country? Well, according to the paper, the town police have looked into it. Well, that's peculiar, too. What? Well, they haven't been able to spot one single wolf. Oh, excuse me. We have a visitor. Oh, uh, come in, Count. Come in. Thank you, Doctor. I'm on my way to town. I have a dinner engagement, and I thought I would stop to ask after Miss Westenra. Oh, she's no better, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, can you stay for a drink? Well, I... I'd like you to meet a friend of Lucy's who will be staying with us for a while. Oh, in that case, of course. Uh, Minna, this is Count Dracula, our new neighbor. Count Miss Minna Harker. How do you do? How do you do, Count... Dracula? Yes, but do not hold it against me, Miss Harker. I cannot help being of the blood royal. Well, why don't you two get acquainted while I go up and see if Lucy's awake yet? I shall do my best to entertain this charming young lady. I won't be a minute. You're a long way from home, Count. A very long way, Miss Harker. Is it me? I ask what brought you here? Business. Business? Good heavens, what kind of business could you have in this part of the country? I mean, it's so isolated. <laughs> True, it does present difficulties, but uh, I like living in the country. Oh, you must. Oh, forgive me, I'm forgetting my manners. Would you like a drink? Uh, thank you. A scotch or bourbon? Is there perhaps some wine? Red wine. Now, let me see. I'm not very familiar with the supply here. It's... Ah, here we are. There's a bottle of burgundy. Ah, that glass of that will be... Oh. Miss Harker, what's wrong? I, I, I... What is it? Uh, it's the bottle, I'm afraid. Afraid it slipped. Uh, it slipped. That's all. Oh, my, I'm afraid I cut my hand. <gasps> no, no, don't, Count. Don't be upset. It's only a slight no. cut, see? No. Lucy, wake and we can... Count, what's wrong? <laughs> Minna, oh, I, your hand. I must leave at once, Doctor. Sorry, I cannot stay. Something I just remembered. No, 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 it's all right. I will see myself now. What in the world? But, Count... Minna, what happened? I dropped the bottle of wine and cut my hand. Yes, I, I, I see you did, but... I dropped the bottle because... Because I couldn't see him in the mirror. Couldn't see? What mirror? This mirror over the table. It reflects the whole room. Well, of course it does, but... John, John, I picked up the bottle to pour Count Dracula a drink, and I yes. looked into the mirror, and he was standing where you are now, and I couldn't see him in the mirror. He was there where you're standing, but he wasn't reflected in the glass. Minna, you're not making sense. And you're trembling. John, I'm scared. Of what? How can you ask? I look in a mirror and didn't see someone who should have been reflected in it. 
What, is something going wrong with my eyes or my brain, John? Oh, what? Minna, easy, easy. I don't want another patient on my hand. But, John, I... An optical illusion, something like that. Our eyes play tricks on us sometimes. Now, come on. Let's get a bandage for that cut, and then we'll go up and see Lucy. Ah! I believe, John, it must have been. It had to be a trick my eyes had played. What else? Well, we got a bandage for the cut on my hand, and then John took me to Lucy's room. I can't find words to describe the shock I felt when I saw her. She was white as new-fallen snow, and so thin. She almost seemed transparent. She's dying. That was my first thought. She's dying, and nothing can save her. And I know she read the thoughts in my face. I could see the sudden fear in her eyes. I am dying, Minna. Oh, you mustn't even think that, Lucy. You do. I? It was in your face when you looked at me. I read your thoughts. She's dying, you thought. And nothing can save her. I am. And nothing can save me. Oh, John can save you. And he will. He hasn't so far. You mustn't despair, Lucy. Despair, Minna? I don't have the strength to despair. You better go now, Minna. Go? Lucy, dear, I haven't seen you in nearly a year. We haven't even started to tell each other everything that's happened. Later. Uh, not, not now. I'm tired. I want to sleep. Oh, well, in that case, I'll come back later. No, uh, not till tomorrow. All right, whatever you say. But I'll just look in on you later. No, I... Lucy. You mustn't, you mustn't. All right, all right, then. But stop upsetting yourself. Go, go, quickly. Oh, good Lord. At the window. It's it's nothing. Go, Minna, it's nothing. Nothing? It's that bat. That huge bat that followed my car. Oh, oh, I beg of you. Lucy, the thing is trying to get in. Look, it's clawing at the window. Is that locked? Is that window locked? Yes, it's locked. But locks are useless against Count Dracula. Oh, good Lord. Mirrors do not reflect my image, Miss Harker. Nor do locks keep me out. You, you, you were that bat. As the wolves you hear are not wolves, but like... Myself, vampires. Vampires? The dead who live by night. The dead, undead. No, this this can't be happening. It's a dream. It's a nightmare. That's what it will seem like when you wake up. Yes, you're going to sleep now. And yet not sleep. You will remember all you see in here, but when you wake in, it will seem like a dream. A dream you'll tell no one, not even Professor Van Helsing. Because you will not want to look foolish. You'll be ashamed to tell it for fear he will think you're a silly young woman. Enough. Sleep. Did I sleep? Did I dream? No. My sleep was a hypnotic trance into which he had placed me. And what I dreamed was reality. There in the moonlight that streamed through the window, I saw Dracula raise his arms and call. Lucy. Lucy, my dearest love, come to me. Come, my darling. I... I... I can't. Too weak, my lover. I'm too weak. Then I shall come to you. Embrace you. 
kiss you. And now the strangest thing of all happened to me. As I watched what then took place, my love for my friend Lucy, my fears for her, made me feel as she must have felt so poignantly, so deeply that, yes, I became Lucy. I watched Dracula as he approached my bed. There was a deliberate voluptuousness in him which I found both thrilling and repulsive. Lower and lower went his head as the lips went below the range of my mouth and chin and seemed about to fasten on my throat. I could feel the hot breath on my neck. Then the skin of my throat began to tingle. I could feel the soft, shivering touch of his lips on the supersensitive skin of my throat. And then two hard dents of two sharp teeth just touching and pausing there. I closed my eyes in a languorous ecstasy. And I waited. I waited with a beating heart. And then horror overcame me. And I sank into unconsciousness. I promise that the horror you have just experienced is nothing compared to what is to come. Think twice before you return with me shortly with Act Two. Hi, I'm Goldilocks, Ms. Goldilocks, if you please, and I'm a professional taste tester. Here at my taste test laboratory, that's TTL for short, <laughs> I taste test everything from porridge to diet drinks. Actually, there's not that much taste testing in porridge these days. There used to be once upon a time. I mean, that's how this Ms. got into the biz. <laughs> but lately, it's been diet drinks. I mean, with so many diet drinks going sugar-free, I've been really busy conducting taste tests. A rather unbearable assignment, to be sure. But then I discovered sugar-free diet 7-Up. Fresh, natural, delicious. My only problem is that sugar-free diet 7-Up tastes so good that it broke my Goldilocks diet drink taste-a-meter. Well, sugar-free diet 7-Up certainly has my seal of approval. This one's just right. It's time to get ready for the great outdoors, and your ShopRite supermarket has everything you'll need for cookout dinners and fun in the sun. And for this week's dinners, ShopRite is featuring whole grade-A frying chickens, just 37 cents a pound. Roasting chickens, up to 4 pounds, 47 cents a pound. Choice beef rib steaks, $1.19 a pound. ShopRite franks, 89 cents a pound. Get all your outdoor cooking equipment and many great food values at your ShopRite supermarket. She loves the family. She wants the best. She does all that she can do. She lets ShopRite do the rest. Hey, my, what's for dinner? ShopRite has the answer. This is WOR New York, an RKO General Station, your station for Mystery Theater. I thought it must have been a dream, a nightmare, 
for nothing so vile and revolting could be real. But though I tried during the next day or two to persuade myself it was only a dream, there were signs, warnings all about me that told me I was lying to myself. There was the nightly howling of the wolves, the screeching of that huge bat around the house. And yes, the scarf that Lucy kept wrapped round her throat. It's such a hot afternoon. How can you bear to wear that scarf around your throat? Hot? I feel cold. But, Lucy, you're perspiring. Your forehead is damp. All I want to do is sleep. I'm so tired. I'm so deathly tired. I'll leave you for a while, then. I'll look in on you later to make sure you're all right. Oh. Sleep well. Minna? Yes, dear? If I'm asleep when you come back, promise me you won't remove this scarf from around my throat. Very well. You won't even touch it. Promise? I promise. Later that afternoon, toward evening, Professor Van Helsing arrived from Holland. When John introduced me to him, he stared at me suddenly and hard, his eyes boring into me from behind his thick lens glasses. You are frightened, Miss Harker? Why? Frightened? Maybe she hasn't recovered from that optical illusion the other night. Optical illusion? Yes, you see that mirror over the table there? Yes. Well, we had a visitor, Count Dracula, a new neighbor, Carfax, a few miles from here. And Minna had the illusion that she couldn't see his reflection in the mirror. My eyes must have played a trick on me, Professor. Yes. Uh, This Count Dracula, John, he's uh, new here, you say? Yes, he arrived from Hungary about six weeks ago. I see. Take me to see your fiance, John. Oh, uh, she's sleeping, Lucy. Sleeping. We'd right better now. wake her up. Uh, what is it? You seem suddenly concerned. I am. Take me to Lucy at once. Wake her, John. All right. Gently. Very gently. Lucy. Lucy, dear. Come on, wake up. Uh, here, here, here. Let me. Pulse weak, very weak. Eyes. Oh, she's not asleep, she's in a coma. What is her blood type? Oh, so is mine. Prepare for a transfusion, John. I will be the donor. And hurry, man, hurry. Yes, yes, of course. Meanwhile, I shall have a look under this scarf. No, no, she didn't want the scarf removed. I'm sure she didn't, Miss Harker, but we're going to remove it. Aha. As I thought. What? What is it? Yes, Professor, what? Look. Look. There are two... two little holes. Wounds. As if she'd been bitten by a large snake. No, not a snake. What then? What? We must be quick with the transfusion. Very quick. And pray God, pray God, both of you, that I have not arrived too late. But he was too late. The transfusion revived Lucy a little... When we'd made her as comfortable as we could, the three of us, Professor Van Helsing, John and I, went back down to the living room. And it was here that Professor Van Helsing told us the truth. The truth that made John Seward cry out. Vampire? You say we are dealing with a vampire? Professor, have you gone out of your mind? My dear John, I don't blame you. Blame me? 
I should hope not. You ask me to believe me, a doctor, a man of medical science? <laughs> science? Uh, there's more to this world than science. But, Professor, a vampire? I can't believe that there's a vampire. I tell you that witches exist. That warlocks exist. That vampires exist. And we are dealing with one here. But if, if what you say is true... It is, it is. Ask her. Ask Miss Harker. Me? Uh, you had an experience in this house that you are concealing. You choose to think it was a dream. When did it happen, child? Last night? No. The night before. Where? In Lucy's bedroom. Minna, what happened? I... I dreamed... No, it was no dream. All right, then. I saw... Oh, heaven, protect me. I saw... You needn't tell me. No need to put you through that. I would if I didn't know who our vampire is. But I do know. Who? The man whose reflection she could not see in that mirror. Your new neighbor, Count Dracula. I don't believe you. I cannot believe you. If you can't believe me, at least trust me. Oh, I'll answer that. Wait. Yes, Professor. If that should be Count Dracula, you did say that he calls about this time each evening, John. Yes. Say nothing, do nothing to give away the fact that we are unto him. This is nonsense, sheer do nonsense. Do I tell you? You may answer the door now, Miss Harker. Yes. Good evening, Miss Harker. Count Dracula? Oh, come in. And how is Miss West Enra today? Not too well, I'm afraid. She had to have another transfusion. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, John. Very sorry to hear that. Thank you, Count. I do not believe I have met this gentleman. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, you, you haven't. Uh, let me present my old friend and teacher, Professor Abraham Van Helsing. Uh, Professor, this is Count Dracula. How do you do, Professor? How do you do, Count? Well, I wished only to inquire about your fiancée, John. I'm sorry indeed to hear she is no better. If there is anything I can do... Thank you. Meeting you, Professor, has been a pleasure. Good night. Oh, um, Count. Yes? Uh, Mrs. Westenra keeps asking me to do this, and I keep forgetting. Uh, there is a custom in the Westenra family to ask visitors to sign the visitor's book. Ah, charming old world custom. It's gone. right here, if you'll just wait a second. I'll, I'll get it, and um, then you can sign it. <clears throat> is something wrong? It, it's a Bible. Well, well, yes. Why do you back away from me? Or are you backing away from the book? The holy book? I must go. No, no, you'll stay and face this book. You know. You know. John, you fool. You shouldn't have done this. I had to. I had to have proof. I will make you pay for this. You shall pay. Oh, no. Not now. Now that I have found out what you are. Oh, John, John. You think because you discovered my secret you can stop me? Fool. You've only delivered yourself into my hands. I meant to make Lucy one of mine, and that was all. But now you shall become mine, and you... Not I. Yes, and... And you, no, I, beg you, I shall have you all, but first, Lucy, I shall take her. Take her. Now. She is mine. She is no longer of this world, but of mine. I leave you. Look. Look, he turned into a bat. The bat. And he flew right through the wall. 
John. Oh. John, why did you do this? Why, after I warned you. I, I had to know one way or the other. I had to know. There's only one way to finish a vampire. Oh, the first thing you must do is find out where he sleeps during the day. Lucy. <coughs> Professor, quickly. Professor. There is no hurry now. When he said he meant to make her his own, he had already done so. It was true. Lucy was dead. We went to her bedroom and found her. Dead. I felt as if I'd been stabbed to the heart. We buried her, my dearest friend, in the West End Revolt at Hillingham Cemetery, not far from town. Lucy is gone. Dead? No. No, not dead. Not dead, Professor. She has become the undead... She has become a vampire. What are you saying? John, listen to me. Believe in me. You didn't believe before. Believe now. Yes, yes, yes. I believe you. Go on. Go on. John, you, you, you feel you've been through hell. I must tell you that you have been through only the anteroom to hell. What do you mean? Now, listen to me. Listen carefully. There is only one way in which a vampire can find peace. Can be changed from the undead to the dead. What you must do, terrible as it will be, will release her soul from the horrifying bondage in which it finds itself. Her soul and Dracula's. Dracula's? Do you think a vampire wants to be a vampire? Oh, no, no. A vampire's soul is chained, pinioned, held mercilessly to this earth by Satan himself. And we... We who believe in God are the only ones who can free them. It is our duty to destroy them. Well, then let's destroy them. We shall, if you have the nerve to do what, what must be done. I have the nerve. Professor, you frighten me. I mean to, in order to prepare you. But no matter how well I prepare you, when it comes to doing what must be done, your, your sanity could snap like, like that. So first I will ask you both to take as much time as you need to, to think. To ask yourselves, how much did you, do you really love Lucy Westenra? And be sure, be positive beyond all doubt that your love for her is greater than the hell that lies ahead. Lies ahead for you and you this very night. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. When you drink beer, do you tilt the glass for long, hearty swallows? Or just tip it and sip it? Well, sipping's the thing for wine. But Budweiser beer is a hearty drink, brewed for zest and character. The best way to enjoy Bud is to drink it. Not chug-a-lug, just man-sized beer drinker swallows. That's when that famous Budweiser taste, smoothness, and drinkability really come through. Smoothness and drinkability that come only from natural carbonation and exclusive beechwood aging. Smoothness and drinkability, too good for any half-hearted sipping. So drink up. You'll see that brewing beer right does make a difference. And that when you say Budweiser, you've said it all. 
Elijah Bush, St. Louis. I thought I knew what horror was until I read it. I changed my mind. You will, too. I'm ready, Professor. I knew you would be, John. We'll wait now for Miss Harker. No, no, there's no need to wait. I love Lucy enough. More than enough. She was my dearest friend. Is your dearest friend. For she is not yet dead. She is as yet the dead undead. It's nearly sundown. Let us go to the cemetery at once. The cemetery? We'll be dark by the time we get there. She will have left her coffin. Left it? Well, like Count Dracula, she cannot go on living, or let me say, being the undead without drinking human blood. To find it, she must, of course, leave her coffin. The instant the sun goes down tonight, she will be on the prowl for little children. Children? Yes, children are innocent, gullible, naive. Make easier victims. And the inexperienced vampire must uh, practice. Yes, she, she will be seeking children. Oh, it's revolting. Revolting? Well, that is only a word to you at the moment. In a short time, it will be reality. Do you really think you can bear what what is to come? I can. I must. Good. Uh, I have uh, preparations to make. So do you, the two of you. Dress warmly. Warmly? But it's hot out. Child, there is no chill like a graveyard chill. We drove to Hillingham Cemetery in John's car. I'd never been in a cemetery at night. How many people have? I found it a very unsettling experience, to say the least. It was a moonlit night, the moonlight spilling like milk over the gravestones, which in turn threw long black shadows. An owl hooted, and dogs barked. Or I couldn't help thinking, were they wolves? And then we reached the West End Revolt, the vault where we'd put Lucy's coffin that afternoon. Now what do we do, Professor? We go into the vault. Why? Uh, and how? I have the key to the vault. How did you get it? I asked the undertaker for it, or rather told him to give it to me. He assumed I was a member of the family. Well, you need not come with me. Not now. But why shouldn't we come? I wish to save you as much shock as I can. She will not be there in the coffin. It will be a shock for you to find it empty. Now, on the other hand, it will be less a shock than what is to follow. Yes, it will prepare you. Come, then. Now, I shall open the coffin now. If she... If she isn't in it, how could she have got out? I could tell you, but it is better that you see for yourself later... Now, this won't take long. I need only unscrew the top part. There. Well, now to lift off the top of the lid. Yes. Empty. She's gone. Where? Gone where? In God's name, where? In search of the life-giving blood, John. In search of a small child. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. John. Yes? Come, we go outside the vault. <laughs> now to lock the door. Now, that's most important. And now, 
But I must do. We'll take a little time. Yes, make yourself as comfortable as you can. <laughs> make ourselves comfortable. Professor, what must you do? Well, I have here a paste made of garlic, flour, and water. Uh, I must seal off every crevice with it. Seal all around the door so Lucy cannot get back into the vault, into her coffin. She could? Through the crevices, yes. How do you think she got out of the coffin? I can't believe... Yes, yes, yes. It is unbelievable. But it is so... Now, forgive me. I must get to work. I can't express in words how fresh and clean the night air seemed when we came out of the tomb. How sweet to breathe the fresh air that held no taint of death or decay. John was silent, and so was I. As for Professor Van Helsing... He was very busy sealing the door. Ten o'clock. I hope both of you took my advice, dressed warmly. We have a long wait ahead of us. How much longer, Professor? I'm chilled to the bone. Uh, everything depends on how long it takes her to find a small child. Uh, nearly two o'clock. It's been gone several hours. Soon now, I think... Shh! What? She comes. Hey. See there? Amidst the headstones? Yes, a woman. Dressed in white. Lucy. Shh! Make no move, no noise. Oh. See, she is carrying something in her arms. A child. I feel sick. Control yourself. Ah, there. Yes, she's coming toward the vault. See, she draws back. Uh, the mixture I used repels her. Why are we doing this? Why are you keeping her out of the vault, her coffin? Because I hope... Ah, yes. Yes, she's leaving, hurrying away from along the headstones. Come, we, we must follow. Follow? Follow where? To Dracula, I hope. Unless I'm mistaken, she's going to him for help. Oh, hurry, hurry. We must keep her Go in on. sight. No, wait. What is it? She is heading for... for that tomb. Dracula must be there. Good. Now what? Huh? See, now she's putting the child down. On the ground. And now... I'm... Where? Where is she? Where is she? She's vanished. She simply slipped into the tomb through the crevice around the door. Now wait here. Yes. What's he doing? He's picking up the child, I think. Yes. See, he's coming back now. Here, Miss Harker. You take the child. Keep it warm. Oh, this poor thing. Poor little thing. Look, it doesn't move. It doesn't make a sound. It's lifeless. No. No, only in a trance. It will recover. But remember, when I ask you to do what must be done, remember that we have saved not only this child, but God knows how many others. I'll remember. Good. And now we will return to her tomb and wait till dawn. Till dawn? She will return to the tomb then. She has no choice. Dracula cannot help her. She must sleep in her own coffin before daybreak. How do you feel, Miss Harker? I'm all right. Thank you. John... 
Okay. It's almost dawn. Why doesn't she come? Soon, soon now. Uh, how's the child? Still asleep, if it is only sleep. It is, it is. It will not come to its senses until daybreak. Now, prepare yourselves for... In a very short time, now Lucy should... Ah, there, there. Yes, she's, she's coming. And this time she'll be able to enter the tomb. Could you remove the garlic mixture? This time I want her to enter the tomb and her coffin. It will be there that you will do what... What must be done? Oh, there, there she is. Oh, heaven help me. She is as beautiful as she always was. Now hold on to yourself. She, she isn't dead. She can't be dead. Lucy! Lucy, my darling! John! No, come back, Lucy! John, my dearest, come to me, John! Come to me! I have never seen anything so horrible. And God save me from ever seeing it again. Lucy's eyes shone with an unholy light, and her face became wreathed with a voluptuous smile as she advanced toward John with outstretched arms. Come to me, dearest. My arms are hungry for you. Come, and we can rest together in the tomb. Come, my lover. Come. And John suddenly opened wide his arms and started running to her and she to him when Van Helsing rushed forward between them and he raised something he held in his hand up against her face. It was a crucifix. With a cry of rage and agony, Lucy flung herself away from John and toward the tomb and she was gone. John, John, are you all right? Lord, help me. The Lord help me. And he shall. Come. Into the tomb. It's time. Now, first let me put the bag I brought over here. And now I will remove the coffin lid again. Professor, is this really Lucy's body or some kind of demon in her shape? Oh, she's hideous. Yes. Yes, your friend who was so sweet and pure is now a foul thing. But if you can do what you must do, you will see her once again as she was. Whatever it is, we'll do it. This wooden stake I have bought. Yes. This pointed stake. You must drive it through Lucy's heart. With this hammer. Oh, no. And when that is done, cut off her head with this surgical knife. Uh, I, I, I don't, you, I don't... You must do it for her sake, John, for the sake of the woman you loved. All right. Give me the stake and the hammer... took the stake in his left hand, the hammer in his right. I saw him tremble as he placed the point of the stake over Lucy's heart, saw the point dig into her white flesh, and then I could see him gather all his strength, all his self-control. He raised the hammer high above his head and looked at Van Helsing. Yes. John struck with all his might. 
The thing in the coffin writhed, and a hideous blood-curdling screech came from the opened lips. The body shook and twisted in wild contortions. John never faltered. He struck, and he struck again, driving the stake deeper, deeper. His blood from the pierced heart welled and spurted up around it. And then the writhing and quivering of the body became less. The teeth stopped champing, and the thing lay still. It was over. Is that enough, Professor? Enough. I... I think I'm... I think I'm going to... I've got uh, you. There. Now go outside, get some air. No. I... Both of you go. You look faint too, I Miss Harker. I must steal her head. I... No, her head no. I have... You have done all that can be asked of you. No more. I will sever the head. Now go now, but before you do... Look at your beloved Lucy. For the last time. There, in the coffin, lay no longer the foul thing we dreaded. But Lucy, as we had seen her in life, her face as beautiful and pure as it had been then. You will want to know that later on, Professor Van Helsing freed Count Dracula from his earthly bondage. And in so doing, brought his bloody career to an end. Unhappily, I must add that Count Dracula was only one vampire among... Uh, how many? I don't know. Hope I never find out. Hope you don't either. I'll be back shortly. Dear Thomas's, your new Thomas's onion English muffins are so delicious, my husband insists on them at every meal. It's embarrassing when we go to a Chinese restaurant. Dear Thomas's, for years I've been buying bagels and bialis with my Sunday Times. Last Sunday I bought the Times and your new Thomas's onion English muffins. Not bad, Thomas's. Dear Thomas's, since serving sandwiches on your new onion English muffins, I've become very popular with the boys. Thomas's new onion English muffins. Here, 45, please, and don't spare the horses. Yes, sir. In 1880, when a cab had four legs and took 12 minutes to cross Manhattan, Samuel Bath Thomas was baking bread, every bit as delicious as his original English muffins. Here, 45, and move it. Today, cabs have 300 horses, but still take 12 minutes to cross town. And Thomas's is still baking breads, every bit as delicious as their English muffins. Thomas's protein, whole wheat, and white bread. Thomas's promises. Our cast included Mercedes McCambridge, Paul Hecht, Stefan Schnabel, Michael Wager, and Marion Seldes. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Radio Network.
That was Dracula from CBS Radio Mystery Theater here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was my pick this week because uh, of Halloween. I wanted to do something Halloween-y, which is really... (laughs) (laughs) Lots of things to discuss before we head into the actual content of this production. Uh, first and foremost, um, I love the Universal Monsters. Uh, at this time of year, I am making my rounds through Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, Wolfman, Invisible Man, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, and many, many, many others. I, I enjoy them a lot. Also, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I truly love vampire horror because it legitimately terrifies me it is a phobia (laughs) it is a a thing that actually makes me scared to listen to or to read or to watch i don't like the idea of something ending up in my room biting my neck that's weird yeah (laughs) and so really sets you apart from most people (laughs) it uh it's easier for me to fall into the What's supposed to be happening to you with a vampire story? You know, you're uh, not skeptical with a vampire story. You're willing to buy in. Right, right. Right away, yeah. And I also am a huge fan of the original Dracula, the book, and especially the 1932 movie with Bela Lugosi. I'm a huge, huge fan of Bela Lugosi. I adore him, and I can make an argument that. Dracula is the greatest movie ever done, still to this day, standing the test time. I find it still a remarkable movie. Um, so all that being said, now on to CBS Radio Mystery Theater, which is another thing, uh, if you listen to this podcast about me, and nobody summed it up better than our mysterious listener, Amy. That is exactly my conflict and my feeling about CBS Radio Mystery Theater. It is a warm blanket of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, especially doing this podcast and listening to all these shows, and, and you start to realize, oh, my childhood memories, this isn't that great, as, <laughs> as I remember. But it was a window and an opening into old-time radio. And then sometimes I go, oh, this one's good. This one stands the test of time. Well, I think particularly interesting is the idea of it as a gateway yeah. uh, to old-time radio. because. It was a stripped-down version of it. They weren't pretending it wasn't a stripped-down version of old-time radio. They have fewer sound effects, fewer actors. Yep. Uh, they were done daily. The shows were turned around really fast. And I think if you were young and had never heard old-time radio and didn't have the more lavish productions to compare it to, right? I think it holds up better. Yeah. This podcast destroyed... <laughs> It for me because actually I'll take it a step further. The radio series Suspense destroyed CBS Radio Mystery Theater for me because I found out, oh, that's how it should be done. But this line, I just want to repeat it again. E.G. Marshall's voice and the squeaky door bringing me back to a precious time when my parents would turn it on in the car and I'd pretend to be asleep so dad would carry me in when we got home. I can't tell you how many times that happened in my life mm-hmm. uh, and eric was beautiful. like 17 when it happened <laughs> it's really awkward <laughs> yeah yeah no uh, so all that being said uh when i was asked oh you get to pick the halloween episode i listened to 20 different things i was all over the place trying to find something again i like supernatural and halloween should be supernatural and when i came across this i said fine i'll go back to cbs radio mystery theater <laughs> 
and I listened to it. And then when I was done, I went, well, I can't wait to hear what Joshua and Tim thought of this production. And so let's begin. Let's find out. Yeah, I was trying to get an opinion about this. Of This is what I think separate from any other version of Dracula. And right. it's almost impossible. I, I really just can't. You can't. Because you know the story right. so well. Even if you've never read the book, you know the story, mm-hmm. culturally speaking. Yeah. In contrast to your history of Dracula, just about every adaptation of Dracula I've ever seen, I have liked parts of it, lesser, greater degree. Uh, I agree that the, the 1930s Bela Lugosi is phenomenal. The book itself is so frustrating to me that I don't like it. Mm. Uh, this particular one, there are parts of it that I think were were new, that was almost jarring to the, adapt- the closer the adaptation elements to the original, where it was mm-hmm. so very modern and saucy. There were some saucy bits in this, mm-hmm. um, which I, I thought, like, that's great, that's different, that's new, I like that. And then there's parts that are just the same old frustrating thing of Van Helsing rattling off, here's all the garlic and everything that makes it so much more powerful than Dracula, and the, we keep him boxed in, and we keep vampires boxed in. That I That's part of the original story. They're like, Van Helsing, please just stop ruining this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be scared. <laughs> you don't like Van Helsing. I like him. And all of the adaptations. I have to piggyback onto what Tim's saying in that I think the most interesting stuff in this adaptation is in the first act, where it feels familiar. You recognize the scenario with Mina Harker and Lucy Weston, but we have some tweaks. We have the scene where uh, Mina drops the wine bottle and cuts herself. Mm-hmm. So we get a new version of mm-hmm. Jonathan Harker shaving. Or Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that made me think, unfortunately, that that's where this adaptation was going, that it was going to slowly begin to step away from the novel and take more liberties. And instead, I feel like it moved closer and closer to the novel and became predictable by the end. And then (laughs) committed the cardinal sin of killing Dracula off stage, which was okay. the <laughs> And I have my... to admit, I was like, what? That's <laughs> my... Marshall just says, and then they killed Dracula. Yeah. Honestly, I was totally getting that, wow. I'm like, they're getting, they need another time. How are they going to get through the rest of this novel? I'm like, oh, they're just going to do like the first half. <laughs> well, may we'll I... be back next Halloween with part two of Dracula. May I defend it a little bit? Oh, go right ahead. As you guys were just saying, how do you do it differently? And they did some things differently. First of all, uh, let me ask a question before I move on. Mina Harker, were they not calling her Mina? I've, I've been pronouncing it wrong it's forever. It's a shortened version of Wilhelmina. Yeah, so, so it's she, Mina. Yeah, not Mina. Okay, moving I'm on. I'm with you. Mina Harker. I can't think of an adaptation that has her as the narrator. Yeah, that was great. So I really like that angle. Second, I think it was brilliant of them to say, if we're going to do Dracula, who do we get? Mercedes McCambers. Let's get a name in here and then adapt it around that superstar. That was beautiful. And I when agree I, with you 100%. When mm-hmm. I saw Dracula with Mercedes McCambridge, they might have as well said, Psst, Eric, <laughs> we've got the perfect show for you. I was so excited. We do learn something very valuable from Mercedes McCambridge about life, and that is what smoking will do to you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but I love her voice. I oh, actually yeah. find her voice it's almost... It's so different from young Mercedes. It is, yeah. It's richer, it's deeper, but... She doesn't lose any of her femininity. No, you know? not at all. It is interesting, though. I'll let you get back to your, your line yeah. there, but of, of Mina is supposed to be the young, newlywed, I'm just now getting to the 
adulthood that that voice is like that is not young Mina. That, right. That there's some mileage in that Mina. <laughs> That's right. That's your waitress on the old strip in Vegas. <laughs> um, so to defend a little more, uh, I also got a little. I rolled my eyes when they said, oh, and then they went and killed Dracula off, <laughs> off stage. But this is what I think the intent was. I think the intent was to write a story about Lucy. I oh, think, I agree. I think it wasn't about Dracula, because he also mentions at the end, now, he's not the only vampire, and there's lots of them all over the world. So this is a story about a vampire who killed Lucy Westenra. And this is Lucy's story about being attacked by a vampire and how her fiance and sister tried to save her, right? Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? So I give a little slack to killing him off stage when it really wasn't about Dracula. I appreciated it on the second listen as that. But yeah, by calling it Dracula and then involving him in the story, it made me expect there would be a final moment mm -hmm. with Dracula. And I think they would have done better to either have him completely in the background, we never meet him, or kill him first, then go back to who we really care about, Lucy, or just not call it Dracula. Call, call it, you Lucy. know, the strange death of Lucy, or yep. bundle up for the graveyard, or just call it something. <laughs> <laughs> you just did a Rocky and Bullwinkle joke. <laughs> Tune in next time, when we see <laughs> the strange life of Lucy, or bundle up for the graveyard. <laughs> That actually did not bother me at all, just because I took right. it as, this is part one of Dracula. Even if there isn't going to be a part two, if they don't plan it, like, no, they just did up to a good stopping point and then stopped. You, you're so gracious. You're like, I'm sure they'll get around to someday writing part two. <laughs> it's been 45 years. Don't get me wrong. There's still stuff I didn't like, but... <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Uh, and this is really unfair to do to CBS RMT, but yes. just really quick. Compare it to um, Mercury Theater on the Air's adaptation. That isn't fair. I think that's not an even amazing close. piece of radio drama. Well, they did. They were headed to very different directions. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, if I had to pick one, I'd say Mercury Theater. But theirs was to be expansive and get everything, and we're going to layer it and go fast, and it's the big thing. And the goal of this one was to dive down into little character moments. Uh, it was the thing I liked about this is that it really took its time particularly with Mina and Lucy, and mm -hmm. I still hate Jonathan, because I always hate Jonathan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you useless, useless man! <laughs> um, but it, it was meant to be very intimate beats in this mm -hmm. one. Right, and I think the story apples is about and Lucy. Oranges. It is apples and oranges. Not, not only what they're trying to do, but in the time period. I mean, Mercury Theater's Dracula was literally inventing dramatic radio in some ways. Right. I mean, And here you have something... Uh, in CBS Radio Mystery Theater trying to bring it back from the dead. I mean, they would be an interesting comparison in that way because they're of such drastically different times and places and intents. There are moments in this I really love. First of all, the guy playing Dracula, I really liked him. It's hard to come in mm -hmm. and be Dracula, and I think the understated yep. Hungarian slight yep. hint of Peter Lorre yep. <laughs> to his voice uh, worked really effectively. Yeah, I thought he was great. I thought he was Fine, but th this particular point in Dracula's story is always so awkward. Of... Oh, when he's the annoying neighbor? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can I have some sugar? <laughs> Couple yes. of sugar, yeah, please. It, it's the, hard to get over from a modern point of view, because whenever anyone says, oh, my neighbors come over, you just think of sitcoms. There's just, <laughs> there's just no way to, no matter how good the adaptation is. That, yet he's supposed to be this jarring king of monsters who uh, 
oh, they figured out who I am. I better leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-oh. <laughs> the, Time the, to subtly turn into a giant bat. <laughs> <laughs> the description, the writing, the performance of Lucy being bitten and Mercedes description and performance of that is horrifyingly well done it's incredible and the underlying sexual connections i mean i felt like i had to pause and go ask my wife if i could keep listening to it i mean like this was steamy i mean and the the dialogue is kind of pedestrian romance stuff like the language Mm -hmm. but Mercedes elevates it to something yes. else where you're just like, who? I thought the writing of it was phenomenal and her performance of it. I, I That scene was scary and provocative, <laughs> I guess yeah. is the right word. Uh, I like the music a lot. If you don't know this about CBS RMT, uh, it is owned by CBS, which owns the Twilight Zone. And when they came mm-hmm. out with this, they needed music. And somebody literally pulled off the shelf in the studio the original recordings for all the interstitials and all the music for the Twilight Zones. There was all original music for every show, and they owned it. And so that opening, bam, 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 there is a Twilight Zone where that shows up, and you're like, oh, there it is. And they found that piece and went, well, there's our opening. So they were just using music from the Twilight Zone for everything in CBS RMT. Somehow, I don't think any of the music in this was from that. I'm not going as far as to say they wrote something original, but it sounded different mm-hmm. and was really good. I like the music a lot. It's very understated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say possibly too much wolf. <laughs> <laughs> you can never have too much wolf. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cowbell. <laughs> Needs more wolf. Let me ask you this, Tim. You're on the fence sometimes with this whole Dracula thing. Uh, Lucy's story is a really great idea for me. Like to me, the two most interesting things about the novel and the story are Lucy's story and Renfield. Uh, I find them both fascinating. I 100% agree with both those things. Those mm-hmm. are the two things that I like right. mm-hmm. out of the The fact that she feeds on children still horrifies me to this day. Uh, it's a layer of the tale that makes everything that's going on already so much worse. And it's the part of the story where they have to confront someone they know and recognize as a monster and <laughs> to sidestep in the middle of trying to say like, yes, you're right, that part is great. And then Van Helsing insists that Jonathan do, like, no, you've got to be the one that's take her. Why? I like watching it. <laughs> yeah, then, but I'll behead her. You, you yeah, can go. and suddenly he's a gentleman when it comes to beheading. <laughs> well, I tell you, that's another... And for me, in this, I thought that was gruesome as well, because he gave him a surgical knife to behead her. Not quick. You're going to just Precise, slowly but <laughs> take this head off. I, I'm a little relieved they didn't make me sit through and listen to that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like some foley, some tasteful foley during the staking would have been good. Obviously, yeah. you know Arch Obler would have you know, <laughs> gone to town on that. I mean, the description is very gory, but it seemed like they maybe felt it would be too much. Well, uh, it's from the, the novel of where they're combining the horror of being a monster with the Lucy's newfound sexuality as a vampire, uh, and they try not to spoil the mood of that too much with actually like opening up her chest and like (laughs) horrible violence of actually doing that. Yeah. And then afterwards I have to say, she looks like an angel again (laughs) with a stake sticking out of her. (laughs) Now let's cut off her head. Uh, But to go back to what you're saying, yes, I I think the whole arc of Lucy is probably the strongest of the book. 
and most disturbing. She's innocent. She's an angel. She's well-loved. She's a great human being. But They go to such lengths to try to save her. Yeah, and she's a newlywed. She's dressed in white, and then she feeds only on children. And I liked this idea of we're going to adapt the story, focus on that cool part, and bring in Mercedes McCambridge. And I think it's me looking at it from a modern perspective where I realized my expectations were that based on the first half that Mina would become more of a protagonist in the second half. I was mm. thinking maybe it would be Mina who has to drive the stake through her heart because John it's useless can't do Jonathan. It. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and she becomes just sort of a passive narrator when she was so active in the first half. But again, it's 1974, so I think, you know, women's stake in vampires was still a little <laughs> a little edgy <laughs> for that time. My patriarchy! <laughs> Uh, I do want to put a little asterisk note. I appreciated they had uh, Van Helsing asking what her blood type was before just starting pouring blood into her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's mine. (laughs) I'm typo. Because in the book, they're like, all right, you five guys, we're all going to start doing blood infusions here. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) One of them will stick. (laughs) They didn't know better back then, Tim. No, they did not. Uh, Dr. Seward is proactive, at least in the bizarre sequence where he makes him sign the guest book and then it's like no it's a bible yeah <laughs> that's right you just got punked dracula <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't from the book was it i can't remember i, can't remember. Uh, I get so confused when i'm watching any adaptation of dracula as to what was in the book and what is i'm remembering from another thing i'm kind of lost as to yeah. which falls into which i watched this week and i know Everybody, just go ahead and write the email right now and tell me how dumb I am. But I watched, what's his name? The Francis Ford Coppola, the Keanu Reeves, and Gary Oldman. Yep. So much good stuff in that. I like it. There's just a couple. There's some things I get. Poor casting choices. Yep. Good actors who being asked to do things they're not good at. Winona Ryder's <laughs> Like acting. <great>. Dialect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do like it, though. I think no, Gary yeah. Oldman's great. I like Winona Ryder in it. I like the story. I like the cinematography and the music a lot. All the practical effects, yeah. The effects, you. and it's terrifying, and there's a lot of blood, and it's scary. Tom Waits is Renfield. Tom Waits is Renfield. He's fantastic it's in genius that movie. Cast. That is also the best uh, Van Helsing I've ever seen. It's and crazy, Anthony Hopkins. Right. But yeah. that's not saying much for a guy that hates Van Helsing. True. And Van Helsing does drag this down in the script. And one of my issues with it is that when Van Helsing shows up, he spends so much time just telling Mina and John. Well, not just facts, but also the listener that you're about to be terrified. It's going to be so terrifying. You just (laughs) beware. And the graveyard's going to be cold, too. You're going to hate that as well. So does he. Dress warm. And I feel like, as a listener, I'm like, can we just get to the terrifying stuff? I know it's Dracula. Stop warning me about how terrible it is. It almost made me think that the producers of Hyman Brown was worried about the the, fear, the explicitness of the description of staking her at the end and that they were serving as actual listener warnings. Because at some point I was like, shut up and stake a vampire. (laughs) But E.G. Marshall did the same thing. Yeah. He warned Mm. us a lot. You should probably turn this off. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't like being scared, you turn this. That's my E.G. Marshall impression, by the way. It's dead on. Turn off. No, we don't even kill Dracula. Just turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to miss much. (laughs) (laughs) The actor's already left. He's not even in the studio anymore. Right. (laughs) He got in his car and drove off. He read this uh, over the phone. 
We recorded. I listened it. to this when I, while I was hungry. So the garlic flour <laughs> water paste, I was like, hmm, <laughs> that sounds kind of tasty. <laughs> and it was it was kind of smart, but convoluted. The we're gonna seal off her coffin so she can't get in mm-hmm. so then she's gonna go tell us where dracula is mm-hmm. right and then we're gonna take that away so she can go back and sleep and we can kill her but it seemed like it required a lot of work to describe that plan to us it did and i felt like the only reason that plan was there is because they needed the listeners to know that don't worry they know where dracula is they'll get to him eventually right, right? that was the only really narrative reason because they could sure. have just waited for her killed her and then went to get dracula but they needed to set up the yeah. offstage. Jonathan did death. sell him the real estate. I'm, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. <laughs> um, before it's we cross start... the street, <laughs> <laughs> he's your neighbor. Um, before we send it to the vote, a couple of last thoughts. Something that was terribly written, horribly written, was. Uh, the setup for Goldilocks as a taste tester. <laughs> I it went on for 45 seconds uh, before she got to the point that she's selling Diet 7-Up. So much setup and so, no the, payoff. There are no commercials more annoying than 70s commercials. I find these just so jarring. That's I love the ones when they're when taken it out. It broke her tester? Yeah. <laughs> What? (laughs) Consult a doctor. It's because neither of you know how to take man-sized beer drink swallows. (laughs) That sounds like something like a bird watcher is excited to finally see. The man-sized beer drinking swallow. (laughs) I can check it off the list. Oh, the Budweiser commercial was funny, especially in the age of craft beers when they're talking about how zesty and flavorful it is. Well, that's where you're wrong. Budweiser is great beer. But you are wrong. They they actually, at one point, (laughs) describe it as drinkable. They're bragging that (laughs) our beer is a fluid. That's essentially what they're saying. It doesn't burn when it goes down. That was a big concern of the 70s. (laughs) Can I drink this? I tell you what, though. technically drinkable. They are right in the sense that if you are on a hot summer day on the dock and that Budweiser's ice cold, yeah, there ain't no sipping it. Oh, just chug it like water. Man-sized beer-drinking swallows. Yes, correct, sir. (laughs) You said something in the intro that the commercials, for some they're annoying and for some they're gold. Mm -hmm. For me, I love the commercials. Again, I'm in the backseat of the car at 10 at night. We've been out late for some reason, and oh, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. So let's send it to the vote. Joshua, I would like to start with you. Definitely not a classic for me. It stands the test of time in that it's Dracula, and that story clearly does. I think the second half of it really lets it down for me. Um, Mercedes McCambridge elevates the first half with her performance particularly in that fevered dream state where she, when she takes on the identity of Lucy, um, which is a great piece of audio theater um but i can't say that i would be revisiting it but it's certainly historically and culturally interesting for all the choices we've already discussed and uh, putting mina harker at the center of it was a really great idea that i just wish they had followed through on a little more let me ask you this as uh i'm gonna sit down and listen to an old-time radio show for halloween good choice no Okay. Not for me, because I, That's what I'm I asking. know the Dracula story inside and out, and I think it's a, a one listener for me. I would particularly want to listen to this again if I were doing, I want to 
take in maybe four or five different versions of Dracula just to get a, a variety of experiences of it, which I might do someday. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I, I agree. that I think this stands the test of time, particularly because it's Dracula. And it's interesting because of the uniqueness of this adaptation, the elements of it that are unique to it, of Mercedes McCambridge, the focus on Lucy. I think those are both really strong reasons to, to enjoy this and listen to it. Uh, and the parts that I don't like, I, I'll just embrace. It's because it, of the Dracula bits that I think are dumb. <laughs> Fair enough. I will say that I enjoy this very much. For all the reasons I stated at the top of this podcast, it's hard to fail with me with the Dracula story, with Mercedes McCambridge, with E.G. Marshall, with the squeaking door, with my nostalgia. But over the course of time, I have come to realize that CBS RMT is not as great as my childhood remembers for a lot of reasons. But I think... With my newfound knowledge of uh, what's good and bad, what's brilliant and not brilliant in old-time radio, that this is one of their better efforts. Uh, I really liked the adaptation. I liked the performance of it. I think it's a classic of CBS RMT, uh, for sure, and a lot of fun. And uh, I like the idea of, of focusing on the Lucy story, so... Stands the test of time for me. Classic in their own world. Uh, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. Links to our social media if you want to send us a message, uh, look at our Instagram pictures, weirdo. Or if you want to uh, find out information about our live shows. <laughs> Just lost a lot of Instagram followers. <laughs> or maybe gained some. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> Those are the people I want. Uh, you can also go to iTunes and write a review. We do like reviews. Um, title it Dracula, but don't say anything about Dracula or include Dracula in the review at all. That would make me really happy. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast financially. I wasn't supposed to say financially anymore because it's just a deadly word, isn't is it? it? A, is it a dirty it word? It just seems boring to support anything financially. It's like, that's weirdo. PBS. <laughs> Show me yeah. the money! How about that? <laughs> go watch PBS, weirdo, and support them. Uh, <laughs> We're not doing well at this <laughs> Why did we lose our ability to sign off? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Where do we go from here? <laughs> I'll also like to remind everybody that everything can also be found at MysteriousOldRadioListeningSociety.com Links to everything that they're talking about to the Ghoulish Delights website and also a list of our live shows on uh, that page if you are in the area and like to come see us performing uh, recreations of old-time radio on stage. What's coming up next? Uh, next, we are kicking off uh, the month of November with our Gratitude Month, where we're focusing on episodes uh, chosen by our Patreon supporters, and uh, we'll also have a guest or two. Uh, next week, uh, we are going to be listening to an episode of The Shadow, Eric's already excited, <laughs> called The Silent Avenger. Until then... Be with us next time for... The Strange Life of Lucy or Bundle Up for the Graveyard. <laughs>